that kind of makes the point very very well so I think now we're we're cooking I'll just uh, make sure all right so hopefully you can uh, you can see this if you're on my patreon page I just want to fill you in very quickly with kind of what I'm wanting to try to do this year is I really want to spend some time talking to interesting people who are doing interesting things I want to interview artists and academics and activists uh, I want to create a space on the platform where uh, other people can do courses and book studies um, so you know it'll take me a while to get there but I want to start and so this is kind of the the first of those I get to so honored. yeah no way I'm, I'm honored I'm nervous as I get to interview uh, my friend Maggie Rue who I, I think the first time we met uh, you came to an event mm-hmm. at three clubs. At three clubs, yeah, That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Uh, which event was? Was that an all day thing or was it that? It was. It was. I feel like it was on absurdity. Was it on yeah. the absurd? On the absurd. That sounds a bit right. I feel like that's what I, it was. Anyway. There is a great little club that was just around the corner from my. Well, now I know from where you live as yeah, well. Yeah. But just around the corner from where I live, and I actually did some events there. I would do think called parables and pints, oh, um, yeah. and uh, also did a one day event, and I remember that clearly because you on that day told me about um you that you were a cult leader i'm a cult leader yeah yes. and that really interested me <laughs> and it was my kind of cult because it was a cult that promised you everything it yes. promised you certainty and satisfaction prosperity yes um our slogan is uh if you've ever wanted something that you did not have then pure spheres for you Wow. Um, Sphere is the, I'm not sure if I should be talking about Yeah, we'll fire ahead and we'll, come, we'll definitely circle back to it a bit more, but give them a... Give uh, them a... So basically, Sphere it comes from our sacred symbol, which is the pyramid within a sphere. The sphere is the earth, and the pyramid is what you climb up till you get to the pinnacle where there is no longer any pain and you have constant fulfillment. Wow. Um, that's what Pure Sphere promises. <laughs> Fantastic. So we are going to come back to that. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, this new religion, which sounds even more promising than Scientology. You know, yeah. Like it's, yeah. It's uh, yeah. It's so less work. Less work. Okay. To, you, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay. You just have to believe that you will get what you want to get. Wow. And then you will get it. Very good. That okay, easy. that sounds good. Well, Maggie is you've you were an actor for a long time. Yeah, you still do any of that? Yeah, that I do occasionally. Yeah. I do occasionally. Yeah. Is that what brought you to LA? Or yeah, I went to I went to grad school out here for acting, which sounds uh, like a crazy thing. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's why I came out here. So you yeah. came out. You you did the, you did a degree mm-hmm. in acting, and then went to a degree. Yeah. And then went into the the acting world for a while yeah, and yeah because I, so many people come to LA to act and most have to leave in a year or two because LA is so expensive and so difficult yes. so you were able to survive yeah I sustained it for a little while um, did a series of McDonald's commercials which were ah. kind of my <laughs> bread and butter for a bit um, did they like did you do one or two and then you became a regular yeah I did, a, yeah I did a bunch of them it was when they were selling the they're now Fitbits, but at the time they were, they just measured the number of steps that you took, and it was when McDonald's wanted to have a healthier image, 
So I was the lady with the uh, step counter. Oh, wow. A bunch of different commercials. Very good. You have a good friend, uh, our friend, uh, Andre Delman, who's a mm-hmm. very good friend of Elliot's, actually. But he mm-hmm. um, he does a number of things. He's a stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. uh, but he also does adverts. And he did a big advert with the Pizza Hut. And it's so weird. Every time the advert comes on, I'm like, there's Delman. <laughs> so, very good. But you, so you acted, and then, but then got into writing, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of wrote film scripts. Yeah, TV scripts, yeah, what? but a few film scripts, and recently um, was working on the show Flaked on Netflix with Will Arnett, and um, Arrested Development, and um, I wrote a film based on Pyrosphere, which was basically a film. The idea was that it was a disbeliever coming in to challenge Pyrosphere and expose all of its ills and wrongdoings. But then ultimately what's revealed is that Piersphere has funded the whole thing and the investigative reporter becomes a convert. And the idea is, because I remember when I was growing up as an evangelical Christian, the people that they would most look to would be atheists who came in to question Christianity and then got so into it that they went, hey, this really is true. And oh, yeah. those were the people that like kind of cemented the belief system the most. So the idea was to do the same thing with Pyrosphere's, take on everyone's questions about it. Like, what, you, you think you can just never have any pain in life? And, you know, all these different reasonable objections. And then by the end, those were all answered. And the idea yeah. was... <laughs> well, that's why um, Christopher Hitchens, I, I think, and maybe this is a, a rumor, but I think that he kind of wrote down officially that he did not have a bedside conversion at the end of his life because he said a lot of christians love their story of the crazy oh, yes. to, on their deathbed yes. and, he's got, and he said i don't want to be part of that narrative so i'm yeah. just letting you all know that hasn't happened because <laughs> <laughs> i think they say that about darwin that's a rumor that goes around yes at the end of his life right <laughs> Right, that, that Darwin still believed in natural selection, but believed that it was somehow controlled by something, yeah. bigger, supposedly. Supposedly. So did you do that as a, like a, it was like, what do, you, what do you call like a documentary with uh, handheld cameras? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, um, yeah, So it was exactly. done as a, um, like a mockumentary exactly. type Exactly, oh. yeah. Yeah, but we tried to make it, you know, really walk that line, like really good mockumentaries do, like Spinal Tap does, where... It would take you a while to realize that it was a satire, you know, so trying to play it as seriously as possible. Yeah. And that's what we did for all the videos that we made. So we made probably two or three hundred videos that we would release weekly on our different, Piersphere had 21 tenants, um, and we would get different people to do testimonials on them, like we had... Um, sacred ignorance that which you do not see does not exist and it was all about turning a blind eye to anything that you don't want to see in your life because there's a there's a guy he's a very contemporary guy he seems to be doing something similar and you'll you'll know his name but he he pretends to be like he's got the long hair and he will say you know how to be a great vegan and he'll say, you know, always talk about veganism at every point oh, that you can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you, have you seen his videos? No, he's very good. Um, <laughs> but it sounds like you were, you know, doing something like kind of a similar kind of thing, sending up a lot of these notions. Right. Uh, these ideas. That, and um, one thing, uh, one of the tenets was that, um, we called it sacred shopping. 
and it was the idea that the universe is your Sky Mall catalog and it's time to rack up some credit card purchases. But the idea that a lot of these kind of prosperity theologies look at it like as if you could strong arm the universe into giving you what you want and it's kind of this spiritual materialism of you know if I believe blah 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 then I can get this I can get this which has this really dark underbelly of like if if your life is going badly it's because you're totally not thinking correctly right like all the people in Darfur like they're just shitty visualizers yeah yeah you just gotta imagine the world as a sky mall and you'll (laughs) be fine it's manifested so shittily yeah so so you're literally saying like you made hundreds yeah like these short videos these short videos and was that in the run-up to the documentary yeah as kind of almost like viral Mm-hmm. kind of little mm-hmm. hints yeah and then so how did you like raise the money for this or what happened so, was behind it was it? so great we started off um the way that it all started was i was doing a variety show i was producing a variety show called pretty good show um the idea was that it was a pretty good show and it ended up being just that it wasn't yeah. great <laughs> but it was a pretty good show um and we did one sketch about pure sphere um And then um, one of our producers put up the money for us to do these kind of different videos elaborating on this idea. Um, And then him and his partner funded uh, the documentary film. Wow. So I was really, I was very lucky to be able to to do it and take one small idea and really explore it. Yeah. And so you were the, were you the sole writer or the main writer or did you sort um, of team? I had a partner. I played the role of Gossamer. Um, Gossamer was not the founder of Peersphere, but the rediscoverer of Peersphere. The idea was that um, all these people throughout history, Noah and Beethoven and Sylvester Stallone, like all these people, had actually known about Pyrosphere but couldn't articulate it. And my character was the one who rediscovered it. Um, so uh, I played that, and then my partner played um, somebody named Coyote, and he was the trickster of our religion. Oh. And the two of us created it together. His name was Anderson Gabrick. Yeah. Very good. And then did you did the documentary? Did you put it into festivals? Yeah. Kind of, or so did we you release to, it mostly online? Or no, you... we went to a bunch of festivals, and um, I always tried to get it into a traditional documentary category because I thought it would be fun to try to kind of pass it off as real. Yeah. But we ended up having more success doing it as a comedy. I mean, that is what it is. I, I just thought it would be the most subversive if people thought it was real and then we're yeah. like, and which a lot of people did. When we released the videos, we got just tons of comments and some people were really angry and was like, this is bullshit, you know? <sighs> You're telling people that they could be happy all the time? That's bullshit, you know? Like, yeah. um, and then people inquired about how they could find out more information um, sincerely. And wow. we went to we went to a couple of um, kind of spiritual festivals where we had a booth. Um, so we tried to sell it no as, way. as yeah. if it were. And our our opening line um, really did get people interested. What do you um, have you ever wanted something that you did not have? And if you don't think about it, it, it of course it's like yes, yeah, all the time. <laughs> yeah, 
everything that I don't want, I don't have. Yes. <laughs> I mean, everything I want, I don't have. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, you can only want what you don't have. <laughs> right. So, yeah, you're going to, everyone's, everyone's, everyone's like, got to, yeah. Absolutely. Have you ever felt sadness in your life? Yeah, it's a, yeah, yes. universal. Uh, yeah. Very good. And yeah. so, well, oh, yeah, there's yeah, so many things we could say about this. One of the things I love about this is that, um, for me, uh, ideology is the name given to the whatever covers over the tensions and the contradictions of life. And so what satire does is it kind of brings out some hidden tensions mm. or contradictions or hidden messages that we, we don't otherwise hear. And one of the interesting things about this religion is that it seems to bring out kind of hidden message within lots of religion. Hmm. That it, yeah. So you were in a, one sense just bringing to light a message that you can find. Uh, we were talking before we went on, uh, maybe Joel Osteen or something yeah. like that. That is this message of you can be happy, whole and complete uh, if you have enough faith or if you think the right way. So, I mean, is that part of the, the, the meaning behind this for you? Completely. And it started off with watching Joel Osteen and specifically a video that he talked about, um, he was saying, you know, the terrible twos, you always hear about the terrible twos. And he's like, the more you think your child's twos are going to be terrible, the more they are. Yeah. And he was talking about his children and he was like, my children never had the terrible twos because I did not envision them having, but it was just this idea of like the reality principle, just completely going against like, idea of human development yes, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. stages that you could just through the power of your will alter the nature of um, and the kind of insidious idea of planting the idea that you can have good without bad yeah yes that you can eliminate all of this nasty stuff and you know have it's like a you know like a coin or whatever that you can have heads without tails this yeah. kind of basic um, idea and then like you were saying then for the people that don't get what they want on top of you know the disappointments of failing to achieve something then you have the guilt and this you know you're reprimanding yourself because well I could have had it yeah. if I had um, been stronger in my yeah. visualization I mean this this for me gets to the core of why I think comedy is a moral voice uh, in that it's not a moral voice in a traditional way of like the comedians necessarily saying you know we should look after the poor or we should you know sell all we have and, right, you right, know, whatever right. but right. it's more that the comedian is able to bring to the surface the hidden messages that are all around us that we ignore the hidden hypocrisies and contradictions and the very act of bringing that to the surface uh, weakens the whole uh, weakens the the hold of ide ideology. Mm -hmm. So I mean, the very fact that people would write to you and go like, you know, how dare you say we can mm -hmm. always be happier, whole, mm -hmm. or complete? That's great because you're going, yeah, exactly, exactly. And, and, right. and actually, when you see religious systems or political systems that promise you to, ha they don't, they'll never say it as explicitly as Parisphere, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they might say it. And so what you're doing is you're just going, yeah, let's. This is a message that is everywhere. Every magazine is kind of saying this. Pop songs are saying it. You know, it, it's everywhere. And um, and all you're doing is you're not morally saying you shouldn't 
you're not doing it you're just literally exposing it yeah so it's one of the things um as far as exposing contradictions or um uh the secret you know when that was really big one of the ideas one of their biggest ideas was positive attracts positive like a magnet mm. and it's like well that's the opposite of what magnets yeah. do <laughs> yes. like it's a negative positive yeah but that was like they were things so that became like one of our big slogans and we demonstrated you know with two magnets how yeah. you know and of course it wouldn't work so we'd have to but yeah very good is. and you've is the website still going and yeah it's all we're up still there, so people can check it out if you want to become a is there a name for people you follow Paris uh, Pierce Spheres Pierce Spheres Pierce Spheres if you want to become a Pierce Spheres um, you can just and sign up we have there are two major holidays in Pierce Sphere there is Sindo and that's the night when anything goes uh, <laughs> it's like goes. the purge yes the purge <laughs> and then the following day is Yeesh and on Yeesh, you repent for everything that you did on Sindo. Oh, wow. That's very good. <laughs> but it's offering both. Uh, so you can have the, you know, the freedom to do whatever you want and then the righteous feeling that you've repented for it. So Very good. good. I'm sure I, I was watching something recently. I'm trying to think what it was. Oh, um, I don't know, but it was a, it was a comedy. But basically, the 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 guy was repenting, or he he was repenting in advance so that he could do great. whatever he wanted. So it's kind of the other way around. Actually, yeah. that that would have been great. Actually, <laughs> maybe you can swap the two holidays around. Yeah, I think yeah. I am going to do that. In fact, I just said it wrong. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So you were you were doing that. You were writing writing for film scripts. You were yeah, writing yeah. for TV scripts. And then uh, recently you've just completed your... Well, you wrote actually a series of short uh, essays, is that correct? Oh, Dirty yeah. Laundry. Dirty Laundry. Yeah. Yes, I, I don't have that. Laundry. I would love to read it. What's that about? <laughs> uh, it was about... So I run this um, personal essay show called Sit and Spin, which was created by Jill Soloway. And we've been doing it for 15 years now. And the book um, was some of my essays, but also... Um, some of my favorite essays that people had done in Sit and Spin throughout the years. Um, and the idea of, of the book was that um, we tend to want to air other people's dirty laundry or, you know, doing comedy makes somebody else the butt of the joke. And the idea, you know, kind of behind Sit and Spin is that the ideal piece is where you're uh, making fun of the flaws within yourself and airing your own dirty laundry. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever looked at that? Uh, it was massive about ten or fifteen years ago. I'm sure it's still running. But post secret, did you ever see no. that? No, yeah, it was. It was. It was. Uh, people would put in postcards uh, of their dirty laundry of their secrets. Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I heard it. I did hear of that. And yeah, then yeah, they bring yeah. out these books. I actually bought yeah, yeah, like yeah. three or four volumes of them because they were fascinating <laughs> and anonymously people would yeah, yeah, their dirty yeah. laundry. They're, yeah, we did when I was doing this show Hell House. Um, which basically uh, evangelical churches have these things called hell houses where you go through and there are different sins that you see. It's like a haunted house. And then at the end, you see people, you know, suffering for what they did. But we did a thing in the kind of youth group room after, which is the conversion room that they have on these things. And we did pin the sins on Jesus. And it was like a pin the tail on the donkey yeah. thing. But people wrote down all of their sins and we made a book of them 
And it was oh. interesting to see, you know, some of them were obviously comedic and they were silly and fun, but then there would be some real admissions in some of them. And um, there is that desire to be absolved and said, talking about um, like what you think you believe versus what you do believe, mm. even if you don't think that you need to be absolved for anything or think that there's any, there's still some idea that I want an outside something to forgive me yes um, yeah some level yeah um, so did so, when, so whenever you did hell house then is that was that a documentary again no it know. was a big haunted house oh, we actually created the haunted we house created a huge haunted house wow. so um bill maher was satan and andy richter was our devil um was uh jesus he was jesus um and then yeah so you just walked through the different rooms and we did it with the exact script. So the idea was uh, we weren't doing an external satire that the material itself satirized itself. Yeah. Um, so like in the abortion room, and this is how they really do it, it's a fully conscious young girl that's having an abortion and then the baby is pulled out of her and she's reaching for it and blood spurting everywhere getting on the audience and you know the baby becomes like a hot potato that she's trying to like get back inside i mean wow um so we, we these just, are like higher budget because in an icon that the community i originally was part of we would do these types of performances yes, but you were like doing them on a much higher budget so um did you was, where was this in that los angeles it was yeah it was at um a place called the center for inquiry which is a humanist organization that just shut down last year or, or at least this chapter of it did but because they were kind of, part of their mission was kind of to debunk or shine a light on some religious beliefs that they felt were harmful and one of those was um, this idea of um, a literal hell and you know other rooms in the there was a um, a young man dying of AIDS uh, and they sh that was you know it was all again taken from real hell houses real hell yeah. houses exact scripts um, so the Center for Inquiry just gave us their whole building so we had nine different rooms where groups of 15 on a tour would walk through and, and this was popular I mean how many people did you have we got so many people so many uh, we got how many days um we, just one day no two and a half months eight weeks I mean ten weeks um yes yeah, so we did it for a long time and probably five or six hundred a night um uh, in in these different groups would kind of go through, but it was it was fun to do, you yeah. know, because it felt like a, a little bit of a mission because of my background and growing up with this fear of hell. This was like this huge physical manifestation, you know. It was like this like giant ritual for me, you yeah. know, that yeah. kind of helps. Well, I mean that that's. Courage. That's what it like. Even for me with Icon, again, a lot of this stuff was about me exploring. And with a group, our pasts and, and working things through, and so right, right. On all of the stuff you're doing with uh, Parasphere and with the Hell House, then it's deeply personal in a way. It's just kind yeah. of like it's not just you're standing on the outside doing things for fun. Like so, what's what is your background? What's your uh, so my background is so grew up as an evangelical Christian. My parents were not fanatical; they were very reasonable. 
but I took the beliefs and just ran with them. Um, and I first heard about the idea of hell from my Sunday school teacher who said to imagine the worst thing that we could imagine happening, or like six. And I imagined my parents dying and it being my fault. I had, um, specifically, I had poisoned them by forgetting to refrigerate the milk. That was my... And then she, on the chalkboard, made a little dot and said, okay, now imagine one year of that feeling. Now imagine that feeling and, you know, dragged the chalk over the chalkboard. And ever since then, I had this, you know, I was just, I was terrified. And I set out to just do everything to make sure that I was really a Christian, that I really believed, that I was really committed, would go to shopping malls and, you know assault people with the good news that they were going to hell and needed to do something about it. Um, what age were you then at that time? Th- so throughout junior high and high school. Yeah. And then I was kind of able to um, suppress these ideas of hell and punishment. And, and then it's kind of a crazy story, but my sophomore year in college, after having not thought about it for a while, I went to see this art house flick, um, Akira Kurosawa's Dreams. Um, uh, basically, it has nothing explicitly to do with the afterlife, but it starts off, there's a little boy who disobeys his mother and goes and watches a wedding of foxes in the woods. And then he goes back to her and he says, I've done a terrible thing, I disobeyed you. And she says, you can't be forgiven, and gives him a sword to put into his stomach. And I watched that, and I just started sweating, and my heartbeat started racing. And then there was the scene where there were these mountaineers that were slowly freezing to death. And I, was, I started thinking about what's going to happen to them when they die. What, blah, blah, blah. And then I started thinking, what's going to happen to me when I... And then... It's very dramatic, but I heard this kind of yelping scream sound in the audience and realized it was coming from my own mouth. Oh, wow. And I ran out of the theater, and um, this is what my book is about, but uh, I admitted myself to a evangelical psychiatric facility. Which it turns out does exist. It wow, yeah, like I'm actually surprised. I thought I'd heard of most things. I didn't know that existed. Uh, yeah. it's, the slogan was um, psychiatry where the Bible comes first. And were they, tra- do you know what their training was in retrospect? Were they professional? There was a range. Right. There was a range. And I had an absolutely wonderful doctor there. Um, but then there were people that were less trained and that yeah. were more... Um, but I felt like I couldn't go to a secular place because they would just yeah. tell me, well, it's all bullshit, you know. Yeah, yeah. Get over it. Um, so, so yeah, what happened kind of then? Yeah, so you, you went to that institute and like, yeah, what happened? How did, did that doctor who was good, did they yes. help calm you and open up a wider perspective or what happened? His, um, so I had some not great therapists, but I had this one who was a real iconoclast, a real kind of renegade, and he told me this idea of Martin Luther's, which was sin bravely. Mm. It's the doctrine of peccafortite, and the idea was 
you need to sin bravely in order to understand the forgiveness of God. And the way that he kind of translated that was, I mean, I mean, essentially, I had OCD. <laughs> you know, I can put it in religious terms. I can also, yeah. you know, say, yeah. you're either demon possessed or OCD. So he was saying it's just like if you're scared of flying, you need to step by step get into a plane. And the idea was, um, I am so scared of punishment that I need to do what I'm scared of, and that is to sin. And I was like, you telling me to go out and, you know, from a Christian, it seemed insane. Um, but he was like, well, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna assault, you know, some elderly women on the subway? Like, what, I, yeah, what, what are you gonna what, do? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, but his idea was that it was more important for me to um, be able to let go of this fear than it was to I mean, that, that's very uh, key and like, in therapy there's an idea and you'll know this but um, for, for the sake of you guys as well is that that actually the prohibition not to do something is what generates the mm. desire to do it um, and so a, a true example I read of a, a psychoanalyst who was talking about this woman who was coming to the analytic theater and uh, she was sleeping around a lot. She felt really guilty about it, mm. and but she still did it. And she was like, you know, she was feeling at least I feel guilty because as long as long as I feel guilty, I'm not going to do it even more. Oh, you know, right. I'm, I'm keeping it under control. I would if if there was no guilt, I would just be out there every night having one night stands, sleeping around. I'd get in lots of trouble. But the guilt of my family and the guilt of my religious background that holds it in check. But the therapist did the same thing. Um, the, he was said like listen let's work out the guilt let's get rid of this guilt and what she found is as the guilt began to diminish so did her desire to go out and have all mm, of these one night stands so the, the actual prohibition against is the is the generating force and so in the same way like your desire not to do anything wrong it's, it just it just causes more and more anxiety and frustration and, and eventually you're going to pop in some way whether right. it's in hating yourself or doing something that is damaging but weirdly sin bravely is this beautiful message of no uh, prohibition right. and weirdly then that's the freedom that's the freedom that's the freedom it's like with your short film with the chaperone idea, oh yes yeah, right? that yeah. it's the prohibition that creates the this excessive the success of drive and this brings us of course to where you are now because all of this stuff and by the way your story is amazing you've accomplished so much and done so many things but it's it's a personal journey and so what you've done is actually written a memoir uh, which I've got here which is called Sin Bravely this came out just last year is that mm -hmm. right is it? yeah um, and I guess this is you putting into words a lot of this yeah what this my journey. journey was and how this idea of sinning bravely released me from yeah. many of my fears. Because I feel like whenever we write, I mean, I don't know if it's the same with you, but with a memoir, it obviously is, but you're putting, often you're not speaking to people out there, you're understanding your own journey, right. you're understanding your own kind of way to where you are now. So is that yeah. what it's felt like writing this? Yes, Has totally. it clarified things for you in your life? And it has, and I... I kept such notes when I was at the hospital. Like I, even then, I like I wanted to write about it, um, and so going back over those notes was 
was interesting for me and helpful in kind of releasing, because it's not like this fear that it's not like I solved it, you yeah, know, yeah. like there's still that little trace that I'm, you know, I'm still working on. And to be able to put it as external and see it as, oh, this is what happened. There was this conditioning, there was this OCD element, there was this literalist interpretation of the Bible, there was this idea that we want bad to be punished, and all of this swirled around and led to me having this experience, as opposed to it being a total internal, if you can see it as other in some way. Yeah. Um, I found that to be helpful or healing or... And that's, I mean, I was talking about this actually in a video I think I did the other day, but that, um, or I was with Elliot actually on the fundamentalists, I think we talked about it, but uh, in psychoanalysis, one of the things is like, you don't go away happier necessarily. You don't necessarily go away kind of, you know, in one sense fixed or anything like that. You, but you're able to live and you're able to live in a wider way, but it's like, uh, it's not like the answer is you go through all of this and somehow, you know, you're, you're, you've, you've left all of this behind. Right. You've, you find a way to have space for it, to mm. accommodate it, to not let the difficulties of life kind of like drown you or whatever. So um, it sounds like that's, this process is, has kind of done that for you, this writing process. And the idea of space has been a big thing for me. Um, this doctor at the hospital was the first one that really um, talked to me about meditation and the idea of if you're picturing what your obsession is if you can imagine it as being like um, I kind of thought about it as being like floaters you know that you have in front of your eyes that if but you there's so much space around those floaters and the floaters don't eclipse the the space and just kind of visualizing as you were meditating or throughout the day of shrinking these and just letting them be these little wisps, you yeah. know. Um, but space, yeah, yeah. it's a, it was a really big idea for me. And I guess like it sounds like, I mean, the central thing that you were having to deal with was partly um, this ultimate, the sense of profound guilt or something, the sense of profound... Yeah, well, that's interesting. It, guilt, and but also the idea that there was a pretty bad guy in charge, mm. and that we weren't supposed to say he was a bad guy. Yeah, you know, like yeah. because you know churches would say, "Well, we don't focus on God's vindictiveness; we focus on His love." And I always felt like that was like saying, you know. We don't focus on all the people Hitler killed. We focus on how much he loved his dog. Yeah, he did he love his dog. Loved a lot. Yeah. He loved that dog. He loved his dog. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, that doesn't make it any better yeah. because you're not focusing on it. Um, but letting go, like this feeling of when you create this, you know, this vengeful outside person. That affects how you're seeing yourself because your projection is projecting back on you. Yes. You yeah. know, um, so just the idea of just how you envision a deity. And then, um, I know you've talked about this a lot, but like with um, Paul Tillich, I remember reading him and talking about God being the ground of being. And it was just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it was so 
so radical. You mean we can even give up this notion of an outside? And I yeah. think you've talked about going like down and in rather than out and up. Or, yeah. um, so, but that idea was really helpful in letting go of, you know. I think like you know you're saying about projection. I think our like our images of God. Uh, this is one of the reasons why God's so useful as a as a thing is that it tells you a lot about the person. Right. So that there is an interesting thing where like that that notion of God put into words some sort of feeling inside you mm. um, that eventually you were able to kind of work through. So like sometimes people go like, oh well, I was given this image of God, but actually if, if we relate to that image of God. It's maybe because it reflects mm. our own sense of guilt or shame or self-hatred, mm-hmm. self-loathing or whatever it is. Um, and actually then, you know, you can see it and yeah. kind of work through it. But it's funny, like this is the, uh, this title of your book is, is inspired by Luther. Yeah. But this is Luther's exact story. I mean, this is his thing. He was right. profoundly guilty. Exactly. He'd never do anything. He had this vengeful notion of the yes. absolute. And, and then, like the scrupulosity, like you know, and punishing himself by eating like only mustard seeds or whatever they were, all, or standing out in the snow, and and like it was like he couldn't go all the way. He reformed the church enough to say, okay, well it's not works. I can't yeah. do it, but but he couldn't go more than yeah. more than that. And and the big thing for. You know, just, I always like to say this is like because the sign is very religious. You have a religious notion of God and God is evil or whatever, and you punish yourself. But um, there's secular versions that people punish themselves all the time. Like there's people who say, "I can't leave the house until I have yes. tidied it uh, right. to within an inch of its life." I can't, I you know, I can't go to work until I have done th- these three rituals. I can't, or else something terrible will happen, and they don't believe in God necessarily but something in them is telling them that if they don't for example clean the fridge or uh, tidy their garage something terrible mm. will happen and you know so it, it's the same structure it's the same, and they might have in a religious background have you know put that on God you know, yeah put that on God be, and it might be prayer it different... could have been religious but right. actually in psychoanalysis people are constantly going because they're like um, I feel like if I don't, you know, do these strange rituals, that the universe is going to collapse, and I, something horrible is going to happen to me, and um, you know, it's it's incredible how how that structure is sacred and secular. It exists, yeah, and and so grace is a message that isn't just a religious mm, message. Yeah. you know, that's what yeah. any of us, anyone who suffers from self destructive mm. behavior like that. Grace is a radical message. Yes, yeah. yes. Is that anything? Um, by the way, have you do you explore the idea of grace? Yes, definitely. Explicitly or implicitly, um, or explicitly. Mm. And my image for it, and I, I still think of this image, um, kind of towards the end of the book, um, I do something that I feel that's part of my sin bravely campaign that I feel campaign that I feel very guilty about immediately. And I just the flush of anxiety comes up, and I'm driving home, and I look out, and there's this um, kind of dark purple sky, and for some reason, and and I see all these people on the road doing their, and I just have this image of this purple sky as being 
um, a grace that's encom- encompassing me and all these people. I'm, and it has to do with space to the openness of the sky. But um, in my journals in the hospital, I wrote it so many times. Um, it was my little slogan is I just wrote, remember the purple sky. Oh. And that was, um, that became kind of um, a visceral image of what That would have been a great is. name as well for the book. <laughs> oh, In fact, yeah. for another book, I, mean, I, I, I guess, uh, Remember the Purple, Purple Sky. sky. I love okay. titles like that because you don't know what it means um, until you right, read right. the book. Um, and <laughs> right. uh, yeah, I think uh, you should definitely write a book called Remember the, the Purple, Purple Sky. It reminds me as well of, of what Tillich talks about. Because for Tillich, uh, the problem is we we can often not affirm life in a wide way that that we like so someone who is suffering maybe they can't say go out into open spaces or they can't uh, fly or they mm-hmm. can't drive on freeways or whatever so they can affirm life everyone can affirm life for Tillich we even if it's in a small way but it's it's not wide it doesn't have the breadth and for him yeah grace was in a sense mm-hmm. allowed you to. Uh, affirm life in a more expansive way mm-hmm. so I just whenever you talk about space I'm like, oh yeah, yeah that's that's something I haven't thought about that in relation to Tillich till you said it but there is something about when we're able to experience grace in our lives it allows us to feel that we can affirm our lives in a wider yeah. and deeper way yeah